Hello and welcome to another edition of Cheers PA Beer Talk, where we sit down and talk to some of the best and brightest minds that this state's brewing and beverage industry has to offer. And we are very lucky to have our guest today. We are honored to be joined by Megan, the production manager for North Country Brewing Company in Slippery Rock, PA. Megan is just amazing. So I'm really excited. <laughs> uh, I, I, there's really, I could spend a lot of time just pouring over with the compliments, but I think it's better to just say you're amazing and then just show <laughs> the people what I think. Well, but, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm very excited to be talking to you. We're uh, great. Hannah and Melissa said nice things. So, well, I, you know, I had to work my way up the ladder. Um, you know, <laughs> you're, you're like top of the chain for the, uh, breweries of Pennsylvania's equity and inclusion committee, but uh, everyone that I've talked to on the way up this wonderful ladder has been just so complimentary. So I'm really excited to uh, get your perspective on a lot of things and mm -hmm. don't want to waste any time. Uh, first question we ask everyone, pretty basic. Uh, what is the beer or the beer story that you know got you interested in craft beer or made you want to be in this industry? Do you have a a story that goes along with that memory. Yeah, I, when I was thinking about that, I have a couple that I'd want to share because I grew up in Western New York, so Southern Tier was literally in my backyard, and that was the first brewery that I worked for. So their IPA was probably one of the first beers that truly like got me into craft beer because it was right there, and I had friends working for the brewery. And it also, I think, in a slight way, was uh, like oh, the first beer that I'm into is an IPA and it's like super bitter. This is like uber badass. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> when I like, it's part of my whole journey. At one point I was living in Oregon, but right before I moved back, uh, this is also like one of these other like pinnacle beer moments for me. I volunteered for the Portland Holiday Ale Festival. And, and part of it, is like, it's pretty much ran by volunteers, but you then get to drink at the next session. And I had this experience, I was there with a couple friends and they brought me up a sample of Firestone Walker's Velvet Merkin, as mm. well as just this delicious cheese. And I just remember that experience being like, I wanna make beer like this, like that's it. It was just so velvety and smooth and just the combination just has stuck with me literally since 2011 when that experience happened. It's amazing those like a beer with that richness and complexity. Um, do you remember what kind of cheese it was? I imagine it, it was something that had a little bit of funk to it and a slight twang that really just played nice within the sweetness. Yeah, like I, I don't remember the specific cheese, but I remember it A, being a little bit smoother, but definitely was just, it almost like rich is what I remember mm. a little bit, you know, so. Very cool. Um, so I heard a story uh, about, you know, how you got into uh, this industry because you were originally a home brewer. Is that correct? Do you like, did, or did you start working at a brewery and then develop the home brewing habit? Cause it can go either way from my experience. <laughs> so I didn't, I haven't like homebrewed a lot. So I should say that, but homebrewing is what got me interested in craft beer in the first place. Um, I grew up again, Western New York. I had a friend who took me to a homebrewing meeting and just being able to experience the camaraderie and like the exchange of knowledge, it, it just felt like a very enriching environment to be around. Mm -hmm. And I loved like the social aspect of it and the group of people that were there were just really welcoming. Um, I mean, at that point too, it was just, again, a lot of old white dudes, <laughs> um, but they were just very kind and welcoming and made me feel really comfortable when I was asking what I thought were really stupid questions. So that was really the first step into it. And then I have subsequent stories of other homebrewing experiences where the first time we homebrewed, I uh, 
we didn't have all the equipment we needed at all. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) we decided we were going to make a coconut porter. And so we, but we wanted to make it super authentic. So we bought an actual coconut, but had no means to open it. (laughs) So so we were literally just using whatever we could to try to bust this thing open. (laughs) And we did it. We did it. Um, but the, like the last part is we also didn't have anything to chill the wart down. Mm. But again, being in Western New York in the middle of winter, we oh, just yeah. went outside yeah. and gathered all the snow into this bucket and just put the pot in there and just like kept doing that. And it's just like thinking of like amazingly <sighs> terrible experiences like that that are just great memories too. So. But I mean, that's the thing about homebrewing that I always enjoyed. It's just like the camaraderie and the like the... I got to figure out a way to get this done because I've started this process and I've invested all of this time. So uh, Mm -hmm. it's great to see that I'm not the only one that struggles to greatness sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. I heard you mention old white guys. I'm imagining in your journey to where you are today, you've experienced a lot of old white guys. Um, This industry (laughs) used to be heavily populated. Um, And I guess the question I want to know is along the way, you said that they were helpful. answering your questions did as the community started to balance out and you started to see more female brewers um, or as I like to call them just brewers um, entering into the fold what was it like did, was there a threatening from you know the shift or did you always feel like the camaraderie and where you were at uh, as you continued to grow and evolve in the the ever-changing landscape of the brewing industry sure yeah I mean the evolution I think has been pretty quick Um, So when I moved down to Pittsburgh in 2012, um, I was literally the first female brewer in this county ever to exist. And so (laughs) like, but when I moved here, I wanted to be around more women. I wanted to find like people that I could share this with that were like uh, female identifying. And so like there, but there wasn't much. So there was like this Pittsburgh beer ladies group, but they were more like educational, social drinking type mm. group and they're great. Um, and then that kind of evolved into starting a pink boots chapter here. And that then allowed me to start meeting like uh, women owners, uh, sales reps. Um, there's also a company called stewards of beer and Brooke and Lee, they operate that and it was at a different point but they've always kind of been around in the fold and are now doing a lot of great stuff for craft beer here in pittsburgh but um i'm trying to think of it never felt threatening and i never even thought of it that way either it was just i what something i felt necessary to do as well like try to keep bringing women together through the yearly collaborations um and then eventually was able to hire a female at one of the breweries i worked at and just always trying to bring more people in because i would be approached all the time via like you know some sort of messenger or someone would see me at a festival and they would ask like how do i do this and then i'd be like okay here here's everything that i think you could try and if i hear of anything i will throw it your way and um so knowing that people had the desire and i had i wanted to kind of maintain this approachability is really what it is you know i wanted to make sure other women felt like i could be there for them and basically be what i always wanted to have that's really interesting because i heard you talk on your podcast uh, pursuit of unhappiness which is amazing if you're hearing this and you haven't heard of that you should check it out mm-hmm. uh, pursuit of unhappiness on spotify and other places 
All right, I'm done with the promotion for that one. But it's really good, so it's worth it. Thank you. Um, but you were talking about mentors, and it, to me, from what I heard there, you were talking about you know who might be your mentors. But it sounds like you've been a mentor for a lot of people along the way, and trying to like with that approachability. Is that fair to say? And do you treasure that role, or is it sometimes like overwhelming? Um, I think like when going back to touching what I just was saying to you know having been like the only female brewer here like I did feel this level of responsibility hmm. to try to like keep doing what I was doing but at the same time I, I mean it definitely is overwhelming when you try to take responsibility for things that really are outside of your control but um as far as I don't know if I would like there might be people out there that would say that I was a mentor but I think in general I think just trying to be part of the community regularly and be available um yeah, I don't know if I would say I was an exact mentor for people, but I definitely always tried to be there for people and be available to ask questions. Well, I completely understand why you would be sought out. And, you know, the responsibility part, that's a hard one to carry. And it seems like mm -hmm. that was not a burden to you, but more of something that you almost relished in that, like you saw your purpose in that place and in that time to do something. And you see now what's grown from it. So I think that it makes sense why you were recently elected to the board. Like you're on the actual board of the breweries of Pennsylvania, as well as the co-chair of the committee for equity and inclusion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. How uh, has it been uh, getting involved in more of that responsibility that you were talking about, you know, but just at the next level within the state? Um, it's, it was really cool. So it, it happened around a time where I think I needed something. Um, it was like in 2019, I was just recently, I was going through a divorce and, you know, everything that I was doing leading up to there, I, I felt like kind of just, I lost, you know, I had no purpose mm -hmm. and I was approached by Brandilyn Armstrong, um, who's now at Upper Ridge Meadery, but she was the one who initially started the, the committee and she just called me one day and was like, Hey, I want to do this. Would you want to be part of it? And I pretty much said without hesitation, yes, because, and like, then it started getting the, like the wheels spinning again, like, okay, if I can put more energy into this, it still kind of makes me feel like I'm doing something and I'm gaining my purpose back a little bit. And so um, it's been really cool to watch it evolve. And I mean, nothing when it comes to equity and inclusion happens quickly. So it's been really nice to still work on projects, you know, over the last like two and a half years that we've been doing the committee. Yeah, and one of the projects that I've really enjoyed, to me, I guess, because it's more public facing than I'm sure a lot of the other work that you're doing, you know, behind the scenes and within the industry, working with the individual <laughs> brewers on just how to be better. Um, mm -hmm. But the MASH, this video series and this interview series, I, it's just, I love the way that it comes together with the different perspectives of the committee members. Um, do you have an idea of who's going to talk to who, or is it really just left up to the members to say, go find something interesting and let's make it for this month. It's a little bit of column A, column B. Like uh, when we started doing it, we collectively tried to figure out, you know, who could we have on the show? And um, there were people that people were like, no, I really want to talk to this person. Like when I interviewed Ren, I really wanted to talk to her personally. I was like so excited about the work she's doing. And so um, that's kind of like how that worked and whatnot. Yeah, Ren Navarro, uh, it's a mm. tremendous interview. Um, is that only available through the link on the Brewers of Pennsylvania website? Or is there somewhere that people can find that? Because it's such an like 
impactful interview to just hear her perspective on things. And I don't want to say that you were gushing and fangirling a little bit, but like your energy was just like, but it was great because it really, (laughs) I think, made her comfortable and brought out Mm -hmm. a really interesting side to like more personal side of something that, you know, people may know her from her work, but maybe don't see that side of her uh, because of, you know, what her work is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it definitely through the link through Brewers of PA, they have, I think they have it streamed through YouTube, but we also have an Instagram page called uh, Beer for Change PA, and so we upload all of them there. I think it would probably be advantageous if we actually like stripped the audio and put it in like a podcast form because it definitely can work that way as well. It's not just necessarily only applicable on video. Definitely. And I think too, when uh, you get into that, it's, it's more packageable. And Mm -hmm. I think that having watched a couple of them, you don't need the video. There's very little in their own reference. And that's this chart I have over here, as you can see, like, you know, (laughs) like it's a very, just like one-to-one conversation. That's really uh, important. And just, it's nice to hear this different perspectives. Yeah, really. It really is. It's been really cool. And I think I've learned a lot just from hearing each one of them as well. Um, Like the first one that Hannah did, uh with why am i forgetting i have such a bad memory but kelly. Was, yes kelly, kelly from yes. pericomen and, yeah. yes and talking about ableism and just like the what she's doing in a brewery literally mind-blowing stuff that i never have thought about and uh, i think that's really important to hear those conversations and you know the goal really being to try to create like usable like a teach people like different and like about what other people are doing but also really usable like things that they can just try to apply to their brewery and I want didn't want it to be something that would like scare people I wanted them to feel almost like comfortable and I think maybe that's why I liked the videos so that they actually get to see people they're not just hearing something and it it can kind of break down the walls a little bit yeah, absolutely. But then you've got this comforting space that really allows a great conversation to happen. So it translates, I think, as an end product, but absolutely as a video, first off, just to have that engagement and really see the two people. Inter- it's it's just really well put together. Is that something that's going to continue into next year or is it kind of a, a limited run? It's going to continue. Uh, we kind of got to a point where we were all busy and ran out of guests and we're like, okay, let's get back to this. But we're going to do some recording at the BOP symposium uh, this weekend. So I'm going to bring basically all my recording equipment and we're just going to do something. I cannot wait to see what comes out of that. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, um, so uh, kind of a different direction to go but i also heard that you uh, recently moved into a camper and are living a minimal life um i think that the part that stood out to me was that you wanted to simplify to really find what's important to you Mm -hmm. i went through a similar thing when i moved to chicago and got rid of all of my stuff and I think that what really stuck with me though is when you were talking about just the negativity that you got from people who just don't understand that and mm-hmm. how has this experience helped you grow as a person but also as you know a manager of people and as an advocate in this industry how has it helped you find your voice um through all of this i i mean i feel like it's, it's generally a bigger conversation and it all stems down like the camper thing i think is just a piece of the puzzle that sure. more so goes back to me on this journey to like love myself and learn how to create boundaries around me to ensure that i'm being the best person i possibly could be and um being as present as i could be so i think part of simplifying my life in the camper situation it 
it basically took away me thinking that I needed things to be happy or I needed a physical space to be happy that I could have the things that I care about around me. Like right before I was mentioning that, you know, I made sure I had my records with me and my record player, you know, and I had like a comfortable bed with a TV so I could watch spooky movies. Cause that's like a big thing for me too. Um, so I, I made season. yes. Well, spooky season's all year for me. Happy so. spooky season for for the uh, the partial practicers, and uh, you know, just call this you know Thursday for you. Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, and so you know, being able to focus on that that was a big thing, and then after being in the space, I think it really challenged the norms of how I lived. You know, doing the dishes isn't normal cooking isn't normal. Um, it's a little bit, takes a little bit longer. It's a little bit more involved, you know, and then I have a small space. So I have to be able to utilize my space like very strategically. And that's kind of grown and changed since I moved in. But yeah, so being able to challenge like how I thought I should live or how I needed to live, I think was a big thing. And like, even as simple as, you know, I, I live in a campground that shuts down for part of the year. So, and they like just shut down the bathroom that was literally right next to my house. And I'm like freaking <laughs> out for a minute, like thinking, oh my God, this is just such a complication. I can't do this anymore. You know, having that internal battle and then just being like, Megan, calm down. You just have to drive two minutes to go to another, another space. You know what I mean? Like simple things like that, that made me realize that like I could, being reactive versus responding to a challenge, you know, and I think that is even a theme that can apply to my entire job as well. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, something that really stuck with me was just what you were talking about changing the way that you thought you needed to live. And I feel mm -hmm. like a lot of us went through that uh, through the pandemic and just the things that have happened along that time, uh, both at a macro level worldwide, nationwide, but also within the brewing industry and, you know, the craft beer reckoning of May is just, it's something that I worried was going to get washed out just like every other thing that seems to come up and then people get overwhelmed with caring and just, there's just no sustainability to care. It seems like that we, mm -hmm. no one has the humanity at a macro level to really carry that. Um, but you saw recently that McKellar and their beer festival lost some high profile and you're seeing still the ripples of mm -hmm. what happened there. It gives me hope that there's a possibility of sustainability to this. Would you say that that is a good sign for carrying this cause on? And how can we, with all of our platforms, really push for this communication to keep up? Yeah, uh, that, that's a really hard question to answer, but I'm gonna try to so, do my best sorry. here. No, no, it was a great question. Um, because a couple of things, these are things that I'm asking myself, you know, even doing equity and inclusion work, I just recently reached out to Laura Ulrich from Stone Brewing Company. And I was talking to her, I'm like, how do you stay like, not motivated isn't the right word, because I feel like it's, you know, it's not a, a lack of motivation, but you maintain the energy to keep trying when you're constantly getting pushback from people or pe seeing other people not care. And that that can get really defeating at times. And I definitely experienced that through being on the equity inclusion committee, but somehow like it's like that end goal of like knowing that we can impact change in the long run and do little things to protect people. Like that those are like little bits that like kind of kept me going. But as far as the sustainability of it, I think 
every and my hope is that every single person can understand that the only like it's not going to be one person changing the entire industry it's just not you know it you know brienne's doing amazing things and i know she will continue to do amazing things but it's not just her it's each individual one of us that is doing our part to recognize what impact we are having and how that may negatively impact someone or maybe even how it positively could impact someone. And I think that's what's going to slowly keep growing is that we're going to continue to see people recognize what is right and what is wrong and what they should do and what they shouldn't do. And so though I don't think right now it's very loud, like people aren't talking about this as much as I would hope that they would be. Um, but I still think we're seeing those small little pieces that I think we should just hold on and like be happy that we're seeing them and just kind of keep seeing them can i posit two theories i yeah. believe personally one that it's possible here specifically in beer because you have a community that cares and so now that the conversation the lights are on like there's no reason that people who for a long time maybe were like should i say something should I? like it's open door to say we are drawing a line here we're creating boundaries that no longer are certain things allowed that we just kind of swept under the rug the other thing that I think is really hopeful is the great reporting. Of, I'm going to butcher the last name because it's that T. Is it a hard T? Is a soft T? But Kate Bernot or Bernat uh, for Good Beer Hunting mm. is doing oh, yeah. actual journalism. And you don't see real journalism at the level in society that we used to have that really held people accountable. So mm -hmm. my hope is that with powerful, I mean, her piece really helped push that last little bit with McKellar to say, mm -hmm. all right, we need to actually handle this. It's not just some internet chatter that we think is going to go away. Like this is real. And I hope that those two things can really help carry this on. Um, but, you know, like you said, it's uh, incremental and no change is going to happen immediately, but we're mm -hmm. slowly moving the boundaries out further and further. And I just think that as we continue to push against the norms of the way that people always thought we had to live, I think we can really find some great space to explore for everyone and just create more room for everyone. I, I totally agree. And I think the other piece that comes to mind is that when it comes to this stuff, it makes people feel uncomfortable. It makes people like start feeling maybe like they're blamed or like they're doing something wrong and that that can push make people push back so hard. And so I, I at least recognize that where it's like by have trying to have really good deep conversations and hard conversations regularly and try to maybe normalize like so the more people see this being talked about the more that they're going to feel comfortable around it so i think like it's just one of those things that has to kind of keep happening and hopefully that'll make more people feel comfortable recognizing what their piece in this whole like world is you just have to consider where you and you know the whole point of privilege being the absence of impediments it's just like okay we're not saying that privilege we're not no one's accusing anyone by saying the word privilege it's just mm -hmm. like you might not have an impediment that other people have and we're just right. asking to acknowledge that that may be different for other people and from that just thinking maybe we can have a conversation that's all that, like that's and that's always mm -hmm. been my approach and you're right sometimes just the recoil has been enlightening I'll put it and just kind of leave it at that but yeah and I think Hannah said a really good thing on her episode with you about listening you know I can't echo that enough yes absolutely so um one thing that I also really enjoyed was just you know you making boundaries within your role at North Country and just kind of how you know professionally you were adapting boundaries as personally and you were kind of going through that growth phase 
How has the process unfolded for you? And do you really think that the creating of the boundaries has empowered you to be your better self? Or is it like every day you have to keep working to maintain what you've, uh, you know, the, the gains that you have already? I really look at life and a lot of these little pieces that we're talking about as it's all practice and you're not going to be perfect every day. And, but it's like those little moments that you see that you do, you like go in the right direction or you make the right decision or you tell someone that, Hey, I don't think we can talk anymore because it's not healthy for me to interact with you. I think those are the ones that like you have to celebrate. And, um, yeah, I, it's so it's like definitely just a daily thing. I think I always have to be conscious of it. And because there will be days like exceptions that I have to make Mm -hmm. and that might like push me past where I normally would let someone go, but it's like for the right reason. And then there's other times where I have to just put my foot down and say, Nope, this is not okay. And, um, you know, you feeling okay, isn't (laughs) worth more than my own happiness. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I, I just think that having the ability to say no to people and not do it in a, you know, a, a vindictive way, but just, you know, mm. this is, a, this is just a no and it being okay is something that as I've grown uh, and matured into an adult, it was something that was a really hard lesson for me because I mm. had not had, you know, I was, I just say yes to everything and just kind of figure it out. And it got to a point where it's like, I can't do, keep doing this over and over because mm-hmm. I am having, you know, internal conflict that is just impossible to resolve. Yeah. I definitely have this uh, side that I've been working on for probably at least a few years. And like, I can sometimes go into caretaker mode where I just want to help people. And, you know, I do it in my personal relationships. I do it in professional relationships. And what it sometimes does is make me extend more of myself and, and not that there should always be this like value proposition or this exchange of energy, but when nothing is matching and you're constantly just like giving and then nothing's even meeting you halfway, um, it's very tiring. It can really weigh on your mental health. And that was one of the big things that, you know, even just back in May, I was calling it mama bear mode where I was just like, I need to protect all my ladies. Like, come here. I want to come to my bosom. Like (laughs) I got you, you know? And so just trying to find any way possible to help. But I was recognizing I was not even acknowledging what I have gone through and like what I've experienced. And, you know, and so that was pretty big to at least know that I needed to take a break. Yes. And knowing when it's okay to take a break and allowing yourself to take a break and not punishing yourself for Mm -hmm. taking a break is so hard to learn. But when you get there, it's so freeing and Mm -hmm. it's not always possible. Sometimes you'll still slip into those habits, but it is, uh, it is a goal that I often, you know, grow towards, but that's what (laughs) goals are for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, one last question. I know that you're with North Country Brewing. It's a family-owned operation. You know, yeah. what's it been like working in that environment? You know, it seems like they not only appreciate you as, you know, production manager, but also your voice. I mean, you're out there speaking on a lot of things and you're wearing the colors and the logo. Like they are proud to have your voice attached to their brewery. Mm-hmm. How empowering has that been? It's been an amazing experience because um, even just going back as far as like when I was approached to do this job, it was like at a point where I was just trying to be as present as possible in life. They approached me and like 
getting to learn a little bit more about even thinking about how communal and community forward this company is it it like speaks really close to just like what I fell in love with with the industry and then not to mention we're a brewery that I want to say at least 95% of our management is female and I think that's pretty exciting but they it's basically created a space where I don't feel scared to say what I think um, and share my ideas. And so that's been really empowering to be able to be part of that and like know that this environment can exist. That is amazing to hear you say that, you know, looking at the bios of people, it seems like even the men have been there for a long time. Like it just seems like it's a place where people come and they buy in and they've grown up around that. But this state is better off when you're in an environment that you feel comfortable to speak because mm -hmm. the things that you've been saying since I've become aware of what you've been doing, I'm blown away. So I can't wait to see where the future takes you. And I'm so grateful to have your voice, at least for now, in the state of Pennsylvania and working towards change here. I know that you have a love for the Pacific Northwest. I mean, who doesn't? Bend, Oregon. If no, if Bend is like the craziest. <laughs> like there's a desert in the middle of a state that I always thought was just cold and rainy all the yeah. time because I grew up in the South and they're like, oh yeah, that place up there just rains all the time. Yeah, I don't know if you want, like listen to my first couple episodes of Pursuit on Happiness, but I had to say like, I think I said at least probably 10 times how much yeah. I loved Oregon. And you were I, just, was like, I mean, you, you, know, weren't you there great. during the, like, it's hard when you're out there, you're drinking the Kool-Aid. Like I was like kind of into yeah. like, how can I just move here? No, my family will kill us. We already live in Chicago. No, it's uh yeah, it's so beautiful there. I I literally feel like home. It's like a second home to me at this point. Wonderful. Well, I am so grateful for your time today. Before we get out of here, let people know where they can find out about North Country and the beer and more so the important work that you're doing. If you want to plug the podcast, please. Yeah, so I'll, first cuz you can get to a lot of things I do. Uh my Instagram handles Megan from the Black Lagoon. Um, we have beer for change PA. Yes, I do a lot of spooky stuff. So on the side, <laughs> I have a horror and beer podcast as well. Uh, yeah, so beer for change PA also, that's the equity and inclusion committee. And then anywhere on any platform, really North country brewing, you'll be able to find the canning facility. And that's where you'll see a lot of like the brewing work that we're doing and can watch me, uh, stay in coffins like I was before this. <laughs> that's great. Well, Meg, thank you, Megan. I apologize. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a wonderful conversation. And uh, I, like I said, just can't wait to see where everything goes from here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. Cheers. Cheers. And now we're going to get to the beer of the month. Uh, this month, with it being, uh, you know, as we were talking, alluding to earlier, a little bit of spooky season, we're going to showcase Yingling's Hershey Porter. Mmm, chocolate and beer. Uh, it's a porter collaboration from two of Pennsylvania's most historic brands. It's you know seasonally available. Uh, it's a play on their 200-year-old dark porter recipe. So lighter body than you expect from a porter, but I think that's because of the Hershey chocolate really accentuating the malt structure and allows it to play nicely in there without it being cloyingly and overpoweringly sweet. So only available for a limited time. You're going to want to look for this now. And if uh, you're hearing this too late, I'm sorry. Wait till next year. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, you can find more of our conversations like this from Cheers PA anywhere you get your podcasts. Like, subscribe, follow, put us in your will, whatever your level of commitment may be. Thanks again to our illustrious guest, Megan, and our friends at Wise Markets who make this show possible. Until next time, Cheers PA.